Well, amen. It's good to be at the First Baptist Church of Ozark, Missouri. Did I say it right? Is it Missouri? All right. Well, I tell you, I am grateful to be here. And I appreciate the invitation that your pastors extended to me. I was reading in my devotions this morning. We read from a one-year Bible. And in Philippians 1-3, Paul said, I thank my God upon every remembrance of you. And that's exactly my sentiment toward Philip and Natalie. You know, he may be Dr. Philip Burden to you. But I knew him when he was 14 and Natalie was 12. And it blesses me seeing these young people down here and all throughout the church. And I did go to that church when I was 19. And uh, as their youth pastor later became their pastor, I saw them grow up, fall in love, get married. Uh, I was there when they got married, part of that ceremony, and then later ordained him to the gospel ministry. And uh, I am so proud of him. He's like my son in the ministry. And, uh, you know, Philippians 1.6, we can be confident of this very thing, that he who began a good work in us, will continue to perform it until the day of Jesus Christ. And all God's people said, Well, take your Bibles, turn with me to the Old Testament, Psalm 103. Psalm 103. While you find that, I want you to be back tonight. They tell me that sister churches from the association will be joining us. And so I want you to be here. Don't let them outnumber you tonight, all right? The revival uh, ultimately uh, is, is to this church, but we are part of a greater family than ourselves. And it's a joy to be a part of the family of God. And I'm excited about Sister Church's coming tonight, and I'm going to preach a message that I've preached in many of our seminaries, uh, a message called Gather the People. I want you to be back. I want you to hear it, that God would use it in this church and that God will use it and sister churches throughout the association. Well, I want you to stand for the reading of God's Word. Psalm 103. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me, bless His holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not. I want you to circle that in your Bibles. Forget not all His benefits. Who forgives all our iniquities. Who heals all your diseases. Who redeems your life from destruction. Who crowns you with loving kindness and tender mercies. Who satisfies your mouth with good things. So that your youth is renewed like the eagles. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you for the worship that we have enjoyed. And I thank you that you inhabit the praises of your people. And God, I pray what I read in the Old Testament this morning, Isaiah 57. Build up, build up. Remove the obstacles from my people. Revive the spirit. Revive the heart. May praise be on their lips. And peace to those far and near. And God, that's what I'm praying. I'm praying, Lord, that you will revive the spirit and revive the heart. Take control of my mind and my mouth. Let me say everything you want me to say. Keep me from saying anything that you don't want me to say. And let us experience your presence, the living Lord Jesus, through the living Word of God. We pray, send revival. We need it. In Jesus' name. And all God's people said, amen. You may be seated. I think the key phrase there is forget not. Forget not. 
I don't know about you, but we are always remembering what we ought to forget and forgetting the things we ought to remember. Can I get a witness? You know, I, I look at this passage here, and the title of the message is Blessed Beyond Belief. David here makes no request, not one request in this psalm, but rather just recounts the blessing of God. It's really David's testimony. And so if you will let me have the liberty this morning, I want to read the passage, explain it to you, but then share our testimony. David said, this is my testimony. I want to share my testimony with you today of how good God has been to us. You know, when it says forget not, everybody say forget not. <clears throat> it's important that we do not forget. You know, I heard about this older couple and they were in their 80s and they had begun to forget and have a lapse of memory, and they went to the doctor. Just want to make sure it wasn't an uh, early onset of dementia. And so the doctor said, you're fine, but you're just getting older, and, and it just comes with that. You need to start making notes. Just make a little note. Write it down. Well, that night, the older couple's watching television, and the man got up, and the wife said, where are you going? He said, I'm going to the kitchen. And she said, well, I want you to bring me a bowl of ice cream. He said, all right, I'll bring you a bowl of ice cream. She said, now, you better write it down or you'll forget. And uh, he said, I'm not going to forget. She said, yeah, but I want strawberries on that ice cream. Now, write it down. He said, I don't need to write it down. You want a bowl of ice cream and strawberries? She said, yeah, but I want whipped cream on top of my strawberries. She said, now, write it down or you're going to forget. He said, I'm not going to forget. You want a bowl of ice cream, some strawberries, and some whipped cream on top? And he was irritated, went in the kitchen about 20 minutes. He came back in the living room. He had a plate of bacon and eggs. <clears throat> he gave it to her. She looked at him and said, I told you you needed to write it down. You forgot my toast. <clears throat> Forget not, the Bible says. There's a motto I've tried to live by for 35 years in the ministry. You need to write this down. Remember the best and forget the rest. Remember the best and forget the rest. David here remembers the goodness of God, and he gives an itemized list in these five verses. We're going to work our way up through them, starting with verse 5. The first thing I want you to write down is this. Number one, he renews our strength. He renews our strength. And you see it in verse 5. So your youth is renewed like the eagles. Now the Bible says in Romans 12 that God will renew your mind. Don't be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the what? The renewing of your mind. God will renew your mind. Uh, the psalmist said in Psalm 51.10, Create in me, O Lord, a clean heart and renew a right spirit. Listen, God will renew your mind. He'll renew in you a right spirit. But it says right here, he'll renew your strength. Let me tell you, life is overwhelming. Life is filled with pressures. Life is filled with stress. And it just has a way of sapping the strength out of you. It will suck the life out of you. Anybody here this morning feeling weak, I've got good news for you. Are you ready? Weakness is the stage on which God displays his power. Oh, y'all didn't get it. I'm going to try it one more time. Weakness is the stage on which God displays his power. When we are weak, he is strong. Hallelujah. Ron Dunn was one of the great Bible teachers of his generation. He preached in the churches. I only pastored three churches. And he, he preached in, in churches where I pastored and served. And we loved to hear him preach. 
He's with the Lord today. But Ron Dunn had this saying. He said, you only learn to trust God by trusting God. It's like learning to swim. You don't learn to swim by reading a book. It's like driving a car. You didn't learn to drive by reading a book. You had to get out there and drive. You had to get out there and swim. You had to jump into the water. You only learn to trust God by trusting God. He said, number two, you only trust God when you have to. As long as you can make it on your own, you'll try. He said, you only learn to trust God by trusting God. You only trust God when you have to. And number three, God will see to it that you have to. That's good. Let me tell you, God puts us in situations where it empties us of self-reliance, empties us of self-confidence. It shows us that we can't rely on our own strength, but we must rely on God's strength. Let me just tell you, you can't live the Christian life on your own. You're not going to stay married on your own. You're not going to raise godly kids on your own. You're not going to have a successful business on your own. You're not going to find purpose and meaning in life on your own. It's only found in the Lord. Now, if you'll stop and think for a moment like David did and just start counting your blessings, just start thinking about the faithfulness of God in the past, it'll give you strength and it'll give you confidence for tomorrow. Tammy and I are blessed with four children. Philip told you that. And the youngest two are twin boys. And by the grace of God, both of them preaching the gospel. One of them preached for me this morning. And because of the time difference, I got to hear him preach. And um, it probably be a better message than I'm preaching right now. I'm just telling you, I, I praise God for his work of grace and our twin boys. And he's got a brother named Zachary. Zachary is one of the campus pastors at, at one of our campuses. And Zachary, when, when he was in the 12th grade, a senior in high school, I, I was getting ready for church on Sunday morning. I'm always up early. And uh, I heard him coming down the stairs. And he was going out the door. I thought, where in the world is that boy going? He's never up this early. I said, where is he going on Sunday morning this early? And so I ran over. And I said, where are you going? He said, I'm going to church. I said, why are you going so early? I'm going to teach the older lady Sunday school class. I said, how in the world did you get that assignment? He said, I'll explain later. He took off, went that morning. The ladies met me in the hallway crying. They said, that boy, you're just blessed us this morning. Said, I tell you, it was such a great message. And I'm thinking to myself, what in the world did he have in common with those older ladies? And so uh, they actually came to me and said, listen, God's called him to preach, and you need to let him preach. And they're the reasons that I, I really... They're the ones who really forced me into letting him preach that first time in our church. Well, he got home and I said, Zachary, what in the world did you talk about this morning? Ladies were really blessed by it. He said, well, I started thinking about what I have in common with them. He said, I'm a senior in high school. They're a senior adult. I talked to them about senioritis. <laughs> he said, I told them I'm a senior in high school and I don't want to go this year. I don't want to go to class. I don't want any more tests. I don't want to do my work. But if I don't show up, I won't finish well. And he said, I'm sure some of you, after you have lived this long, you, you don't feel like getting up. And you don't feel like going on. And you don't feel like you want any more tests or any more trials in this life. He said, but if you give up, you won't finish well. He said, you watch somebody when they run a race. They don't get lazy on the last lap. That's when they pour it on. And his challenge to them was to finish well. And I believe that God will give you strength this morning. Everybody say strength. He'll give you strength to finish well. I want you to know, you may be here tired. It may be a prolonged illness. It may be 
you're caring for aging parents. It may be that you're caring for those toddlers. It may be that you and your husband feel like you don't even know each other anymore. You live with a stranger. You're just a designated taxi driver for all those kids. You know, you may feel like, man, you just, you just are tired. But let me tell you, God will give you strength. Be strong in the Lord and in the power of His might. He renews our strength. Number two, write this down. He keeps us satisfied. Look back at verse 5. He satisfies you with good things. He satisfies your mouth with good things. You know, think about that. The food we eat, the clothes we wear, the cars we drive, the homes we live in, we are blessed. I said we are blessed. I'm telling you, this is some of the prettiest country I've ever seen in my life. We were driving just in the area, and I mean beautiful, beautiful land. Beautiful place where you live. And then think about all the things that you can't even put a price on, like your health, or your spouse, or your children, or Christian brothers and sisters in the Lord. I like in the Hebrew it says here, who satisfies your mouth. Mouth can be rendered old age. Old age. Let me tell you, only... God has happy old people. The devil doesn't have any happy old people. The psalmist said, I've been young and now I'm old, but I've never seen the righteous forsaken or his seed begging for bread. Psalm 37, verse 25. And yet when you talk to most people who go to church every Sunday, I'm telling you some of the meanest people that live on the planet go to church every Sunday. Some of the biggest grumblers, gripers, complainers, belly achers, they go to church all the time. You don't want to be around them. You see them coming and you want to run. You're laughing because you know who I'm talking about. Say, I don't know any of you, but you know one another. And I'm telling you, we as Christians are blessed with so many good things. It says good things. Proverbs 18.22 says, he who finds a wife finds a good thing. You know, singles are always looking for the one that will make them happy. Let me tell you, the secret is to stay away from the, all the ones that will make you miserable. Amen. You know, there's something worse than being single, and that's being married, wishing you were single. I'm telling you, uh, only date believers. I shouldn't even have to say that. But young people only date believers. We don't believe in missionary dating. All right? Only date believers. And yet I know what some of the guys say. I've heard them say it. They say, oh, but preacher, she's so hot. So is hell. <laughs> or these girls will say, they'll say, oh, but he says he believes in God. Do you understand? The demons believe in God and tremble. Just because somebody says they believe in God doesn't mean you want to get hitched up with them. No, I'm telling you, the problem I see in our society is we've got singles who are living like they're married and married couples living like they're single. Let me just tell you. You want to make sure whatever state you're in. That you are living for God. And that you are content. And that you're happy. And when you are serving God and focused on Him. I'm telling you. Next thing you know you'll be like Philip Natalie. You'll be Twitter pated. You know just like the Bambi. Y'all remember that movie Bambi? He got Twitter painted. That's what Philip did. He got Twitter painted. See, he fell in love. And I'm telling you, God will send you the right person at the right time. But you don't want to get ahead of him. Listen, if you are one of those individuals, you're never satisfied, never content. You've always, listen, you've got to win the lottery. 
Or you, you got to win Publishers Clearing House. Or you got to have a new car, a new clothes. Have you ever noticed that new car? The new car smell doesn't last as long as the payments. <laughs> that new car you had to have, oh, it's going to make you happy. No. Next thing you know, they come out with a different model in six months or so. And you're not satisfied with yours anymore. And I'm telling you, if you're that kind of individual, you always got to have the newest outfit, the newest house, the newest car. You're never going to be happy. You're never going to be satisfied. But learn to enjoy the simple things of life. Let me tell you my favorite time of day, sunrise and sunset. My kids think I have lost my mind. I'm telling you, every day at sunset, anybody that's in the house, I say, come over here and look at this. you got to see this. And they say, we've seen it. It's a sunset. I said, yeah, but you've never seen one like this. God never makes two alike. My favorite time of the day. I mean, you've got to learn to appreciate the simple things in life. Like a up-close parking place at Walmart. <laughs> I told my wife when I die, I want her to bury me at Walmart. That way I know she'll come see me. Amen? <clears throat> compare what you want with what you have and you'll be dissatisfied. But compare what you deserve with what you have. And you'll be happy. Let me tell you, anything that's a notch above hell is better than we deserve. Well, it says here, what? That he will give us strength. It says he keeps us satisfied. It says number three, write this down. He provides a safety. Y'all still awake? Say amen. He provides a safety. Look at verse four. He redeems your life from destruction. Who crowns your loving kindness with tender mercy. If it wasn't for the mercy of God, I'd have been destroyed a long time ago. Let me tell you, we've got guardian angels. And I have, listen, I've put mine to the test. I have had mine working overtime. Uh, when Philip was uh, just young, probably junior high, we had a basketball team. I was coaching it. And uh, we were driving, you know, having to deliver everybody in the church van after we played. And we, we made it to the finals. We were good. Your, your pastor, he can slam dunk. He really can. Now, not in those boots this morning, but I, I want you to know, he was a good basketball player. So anyway, I fall asleep on the way home after delivering all those uh, the players, and I ran into the back of a truck, put my head through a windshield. I'm telling you, it is only by the grace of God I'm standing here. My wife will tell you, I am Tim the tool man. Good thing God called me to preach. I can't do anything else. Amen? <laughs> Have you seen those front load uh, washer and dryers? You can put 12 different pair of jeans in there or whatever. We had four kids, set of twins. We were always wanting one of those front load washer and dryers. But as much as they cost, they do not come with an electrical cord. So I went down to Lowe's or Home Depot and I got my electrical cord and I asked for one that would fit, you know, the, the, the uh, washer and dryer. Came back and you got four different places you got to take the screws off and connect it. And then after that, I got over behind it. It wasn't much space. And I got over beside it and I'm going down the wall and I'm going to see if that thing will plug in. And so help me, they gave me a range cord. Now it looks like a dryer cord but it's not and it won't work and I'd done all that for nothing took it all apart went back to the store told them they'd give me the wrong thing I got the right thing this time I get there and I said I'm not gonna go to all the trouble of hooking it up before I try it out so holding all four connectors in this hand <laughs> I get back in that little space and I went down and I wasn't gonna plug it in I'm not that stupid 
But when I got down, true story, you can't make this stuff up. I lost my balance and it plugged in. And when it did, it exploded 220 volts in my hand. My hand was as black as my jacket is right now. I was shaking all over. My wife came in there and she said, Honey, honey, what's wrong? What happened? And then just like that, she turned. I don't know how you women do it. But I mean, just like that, it changed. She said, what were you thinking? You could have killed yourself, left me with all these kids. She said, what were you thinking? Well, I told that story in our church. An electrician came up after me and he said, Pastor, he said, you do know if that breaker had not tripped, you wouldn't be telling that story. I'm just telling you, God will save your life from destruction. Me and electricity really don't get along. I remember one time we had these fluorescent lights, and I'm trying to put in one of the, the light bulbs in it, and, and it won't go in. And you know they got the, the connectors on the end. So I just thought if I put my finger on this bottom one, and I put my finger on this bottom one, and I shove it up in there, then I can line it up. I did. The electricity ran through this, this arm right across my chest, all up that arm. I just 110 volts just like that. How many of you got a big dog at home? You got a big dog? I had a, a big black lab and a golden retriever, and I put a shock collar on it and one of those underground electric fences. We had five and a half acres in Arkansas, and so I put that fence out there, and those dogs would just run right across it like nothing was there. And so one day we were out there, and we're washing the car, and the kids are riding the bicycle, and Tammy's out there with us. We're just enjoying the day. And I saw those dogs running across my fence like it wasn't even there. And I said, I, I, I can't put up with this anymore. I went in there and I turned it up wide open. Dogs just ran across it like it wasn't even there. So I take my wet, soapy hands. And I go over there and I take the sh shock collar off of the dog. Put both those prongs right there in my hand. And I walk across the line. It brought me to my knees. I'm just telling you, me and electricity don't get along. But I think about what Caleb said. Caleb said at 85, give me this mountain. And then he said these words, listen. The Lord has kept me alive to this day. Anybody alive right now, it is only by the mercy and the grace of God. That's the only reason any of us are here this morning. Oh, look at what David says. It's his testimony and it's my testimony. Look at Verse 3, he heals our sickness. Heals our sickness. You say, do you believe in divine healing? Absolutely. I don't believe in divine healers. I believe in the divine healer. I don't believe in a day of miracles. I believe in a God of miracles. And I believe God can heal just supernaturally, instantly. I believe he can use medicine. I believe he could use surgery. God's God. He, he can do it any way he wants to do it. But you do realize that not everybody's going to be healed down here on this earth. If God healed everybody every time, nobody would ever die. And I remember uh, standing by the graveside of our little boy. Our roots go deep in Arkansas. We were there almost 20 years. And before our twins were conceived and born, we had a little boy. We named him Christian Palmer, and he died. And I'm telling you, I stood by that graveside questioning, God, what are you doing? See, if you've, if you've ever lost a child, you know what I, I'm talking about right now. 
And you know, two things happened that day. I didn't have answers. I had more questions than answers. But I remember someone saying to me, God's going to use this in your ministry because you'll be able to minister to a lot of parents who've lost a child because now you've walked down that road. See, he comforts us so that we can comfort others in their time of need. You know, I think about he heals our sicknesses. He doesn't always heal everyone every time. And somebody told me that as we left the graveside that day, they said, Pastor, just remember, God's in the business of populating heaven more than he is earth. You see, I'm still going to see my son again. He's as much alive as, or more than he would have been down here. And our twin boys who are preaching the gospel say, we feel like we owe him so much because if God hadn't taken him, you'd have probably never had us. And Zachary that I just told you about said, I feel like I'm running the race both for me and for him. Listen. Paul had the gift of healing. He couldn't even heal himself. Now you think about that. Paul had the gift of healing, and yet he had a thorn in the flesh. He had healed others. He couldn't heal himself. You know the story in 2 Corinthians chapter 12. Listen, that's where God said, but my grace is sufficient. You want to experience the all-sufficient grace of God, it takes three things. First of all, you've got to have a thorn in the flesh, physical illness. You've got to have unanswered prayer. Paul prayed three times for God to take it away, but God chose not to. And then number three, you've got to rejoice in your infirmity. And when you have unanswered prayer, you have a physical illness, you have learned, you've gotten to the place, you rejoice even in the midst of it. Then and only then do you experience the all-sufficient grace of God. Let me tell you, my wife in Christmas, it was the week of Christmas 2005, was diagnosed with a brain tumor. And uh, it, it was a difficult time. We went to the doctor that week of Christmas. Uh, she couldn't think. She couldn't remember. And um, <clears throat> we went to the doctor, and he said, she has an inoperable brain tumor. And there's nothing we can do. And so he sent us to another surgeon who said, if anybody can do anything with this, it's a surgeon in Little Rock, Arkansas. And uh, he specializes in this particular type of surgery. We went down to see him. And here's what he told us. He said, your right carotid artery is 100% blocked. And to confirm that, they did a, a cerebral uh, arteriogram, just like a heart cath, but in the brain. And you have to stay awake for it. So she did, and it confirmed it's 100% blocked. And so as we're coming out from that, they're taking her to recovery. Well, she and the nurse had a little conversation I wasn't privy to. The nurse said uh, to, to Tammy, um, is this your husband? Tammy thought that she said, what does your husband do? So Tammy said, he's a pastor. So we're going to recovery, and the nurse just thinks I'm her pastor. Y'all with me? We get there. You know, just like with a heart cath, you've got to lay flat for so many hours. So she's laying flat, and they'd given her some pain medication, and she had an allergic reaction to it. Well, I'm feeling sorry for her. I'm stroking her hair, just kind of loving on her. The nurse thinks I'm her pastor. And so I reached over and kissed her, and the nurse just ran out of the room. A few minutes later, Tammy said, I don't know what that medicine was, but I'm having an allergic reaction. Said, I need, I need for you just to rub my legs. I've got to stay flat. So I picked the cover up, and I start rubbing her legs. The nurse came back in. 
And when she came back in, she said, sir, would you leave the room? And well, I didn't know what was going on, so I left the room. A few minutes later, I hear them cackling and laughing in there. She said, you can come back in. I went back in. And she said, I thought you were her pastor. I said, I am her pastor. <laughs> she said, yeah, but you're her husband. She said, when I saw you stroking her hair and, and, and kissing her, she said, I, I thought, what kind of pastor are you? <laughs> she said, then, when I came in and you were rubbing her legs, she said, I thought, what's the name of your church? I'm going to turn you in. <laughs> Let me tell you, we walked down that road of a brain tumor Two surgeries, gamma knife. They were able to remove 80%, 20% she lives with. If you know what it's like living with a tumor or with cancer and going back every year monitoring it, we've been doing that for 13 years. But let me tell you, the joy of the Lord is your strength. And God will give you the oil of gladness. And we learn to laugh through the tears. And you know what? That doctor put up the results of that arteriogram, and here's what he said. He said, your right carotid artery is 100% blocked, totally occluded. He said, you should have had a stroke. People at 90, 95% have a stroke. He said, but let me show you something. He said, here's your right and left hemisphere here of your, of your brain. And here's what he said. He said, you got a vessel right here, like a bridge, that very few people in the whole world have. He said, when you were created in your mother's womb, you were given this extra vessel. And when this was blocked, this opened up. She still, to this day, gets blood to that side of her brain through that vessel. Let me tell you, God knows what you need before you need it. And he's already provided it. He's Jehovah Jireh. He's the God who provides. And I'm telling you, God brings healing today. And really, I read, I read this morning. Paul said, for me to live is Christ and to die is gain. We can't lose. I said we can't lose. If God doesn't heal you in this life, you'll have ultimate healing in the presence of God. If God heals you in this life, you're still going to die of something. And ultimate healing will be in his presence. I want you to see here the last thing. Verse 3. He forgives our sins. He forgives our sins. That's the ultimate healing we all need. It says, who forgives all your iniquities. Iniquity is a strong word here. It doesn't mean just mistakes. You know, and our society tries to justify and rationalize bad behavior and, and say, well, I was born that way. Let me tell you, when you're born again, God makes all things new. I think about the story of Achan. It's found in Joshua chapter 7. Did you know Achan's entire family suffered and died because of his choice? Because of his actions? You know, the family probably knew about it, condoned it. How many of you, you know of a family member living in sin and you're condoning it, if not enabling it? Here's what I would say to you. There is a difference between acceptance and approval. We accept everybody. We welcome everybody. But we don't approve of everything that they do. You know, I think about Achan. He confessed only when he got caught. How many times have you heard that? Somebody gets caught and then they confess. That kind of confession is not repentance. Achan lost it all and for what? A Babylonian garment, some silver, and a wedge of gold. They searched his tent and found it. Let me ask you, 
What would we find if we searched your house, your computer, your cell phone, your texting, your Facebook, your social media, your bank account? What would we find? Sin is passed down to the third and fourth generation. Let me just tell you. The incentive to live right is bigger than you. You know why I want to live right? I got four kids and eight grandchildren. I got sons in the ministry like Philip, Natalie. Let me tell you, it's always bigger than you. Always bigger than you. It says that he will forgive all our iniquity. I believe if Achan had confessed and repented, he would have found mercy. Just like anybody who repents and confesses their sin. But you know what? He waited till he got caught. Let me ask you a question. If your pastor had secret sin in his life, do you think it would affect the ministry of this church? Talk to me. Sure it would. But Achan wasn't a leader. He was a member. And I'm telling you, when there's sin in the life of the member, secret sin, it quenches the Holy Spirit, grieves the Holy Spirit, holds back revival from taking place place and so I would say to you today let's have an old-fashioned revival let's repent of sin be sure your sin will find you out we're going to have an altar call in just a moment and I want you to come and fall in the altar and I want you to pray listen not about somebody else's sin about your sin pray about your life you know no one is beyond the grace of God no one I close with this story we live next to Mr. John. Mr. John was in his 80s. Mr. John lived by himself. Mr. John never had any visitors. And our kids, when we would uh, be at Christmas time, Tammy would uh, fix cookies or prepare a gift, and we'd go over and they'd sing for him. They'd give him a gift, and we'd check on him from time to time. But one Sunday morning, I got up, and Philip, there was snow on the ground. And we headed to church, and I saw all these cars at Mr. John's house. And I realized, I knew what happened. Mr. John had died. And I did not know where he was going to spend eternity. He lived next door to the pastor. I'd never talked to him about the Lord. I thought, my soul, how did I let this happen? It bothered me so much I had a hard time preaching that day. I went home at night. I went to bed, and I just couldn't hardly sleep. And I said, oh, God, forgive me. Oh, God, I wish I had another chance to talk to Mr. John. Next morning, I got up, snow still on the ground. I make my way to work. And when I went by John's house, he was shoveling snow in the driveway. <laughs> and I said, well, praise God. John's still alive. I got an appointment, and I got to get to the church. And I headed to the church. I got to the stop sign, and I could hear that still small voice of the Holy Spirit. And I said, it didn't matter about that appointment. I'm going back to talk to Mr. John. I turned around, and I went back. Mr. John was out there, and I said, Mr. John, I said, I saw all the cars yesterday. I said, uh, I'm sure glad to see you alive. I thought you died. He said, it was my 83rd birthday. He said, all my kids, grandkids came in to see me. I said, that's good, Mr. John, but I just got to ask you a question. If yesterday you had died and your family came in for your funeral, where would you be spending eternity? He began to cry. He just shook his head. He said, I know where I'd go. He said, I'd be in hell. 
I said, Mr. John, I said, that didn't have to be the case. You understand, I just went through the gospel with him. How Jesus lived a perfect life we've never lived and how he laid down that life on the cross and died for all of our sins. So whoever called on the name of the Lord shall be saved. And Mr. John, if you'll ask Jesus to forgive you, he will. He just shook his head and he cried. He said, you don't understand, preacher. He said, when I was a young man working third shift, he said, uh, I came home early one night to surprise my wife. And I found her in the bed with another man. And she left me and five little children to run off with that man. And I've hated her ever since. He said, God can't forgive me. And I said, Mr. John, I don't know what that would be like. I can't imagine, but I do know this. You'll never be able to forgive her until you receive God's forgiveness. And I ask him one more time, would you ask Jesus to forgive you of your sins? That 83-year-old man took his hat off, put it on the shovel. And right there in the snow, he prayed a prayer of repentance and asked Jesus to save him. Let me tell you, the Bible says, though our sins be as scarlet, they can be as white as snow. You think of the worst thing you have ever done. The worst thing you've ever committed. Any sin, he'll wipe it clean. Whiter than snow. I want you to be able to leave today saying what we sang just a moment ago. I got saved. My record's clean. I want every head bowed, every eye closed. Nobody looking around. It's the most important time in the service. Would you pray this in your heart right now, right where you're seated? Just pray this. Say, Dear Lord Jesus, forgive me of my sin. I repent of my sin. I turn my life over to you. I confess, Jesus, you're my Lord, my Savior. Thank you for dying on the cross. Thank you that you rose from the dead. And I ask you to come live inside of me. Fill me with the Holy Spirit. Give me a shirt. Heaven will be my home. And I want to follow you and live for you the rest of my days. In Jesus' name, and everyone said, amen. Now listen, some of you in this revival meeting, you need to come to God. Coming to God for the very first time. You just did that. Some of you, you need to come back to God. You know what you have to do to come to God? Repent. You know what you have to do to come back to God? Repent. And so whichever it is, no matter if you're coming to God or come back, coming back to God, you prayed that, you really meant it. The Bible says, he that believes is not ashamed. Today's a new day. Today's a new beginning. I want us to stand. Everybody stand. The pastor's going to be here at the front. We're going to sing. Now I'm going to ask them to sing that invitation. I just want you to do business with God. Don't even worry about singing. You let them sing. And if singers need to come to the altar, forget the instrument, forget the singing, and hit the altar, all right? I just want you to be sensitive to the Spirit of the living God. Father, as best I know how, I preach the message you laid on my heart. Lord, people are so discouraged. I pray people will leave encouraged today in the Lord. David encouraged himself in the Lord. And God, we look back on our lives and we see your hand of blessing we're blessed beyond belief. God, you've been so good to us. Thank you for those who said yes to Christ this morning. Heaven rejoices and we rejoice with them. And God, I praise you for those who came back to you today. 
that, Lord, there's some secret sin they've been holding on to, but today they made it right with you. Cleanse them. Wash them white as snow with the blood of the Lord Jesus. Pour out your spirit on us in this invitation. In Jesus' name, amen.